0: but one of the things, where we are as a church, one of my roles is to, to function sort of as a father, or if you're like you're young or an older brother or a pastor, to provide vision and clarity with who we are as a people and where we're headed. All in favor say I." So I know some of you are new, you're checking it out. You're going to get a front row crash course to what it is that the Spirit of Jesus is inviting us into as a people. And one of the roles, as I said, I, I, I literally, I have a full on like almost 40 slides. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying about 40 slides of a father's teaching, providing blessing and belonging, purpose, pr- provision, protection, identity, and intimacy, direction, discipline, and delight. Those were the, the eight or nine phrases I came up with and all had scriptures attached to them. But one of those is providing clarity for the purpose, the purpose for which we are called as the people of God. And let me just read this passage. In 1 Thessalonians 2, in verse 11, it says this. For you know, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father. So here's Paul. He helped plant the church in Thess- Thessalonica. We dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging. Everyone say encouraging, comforting, and urging. That's a good word right there. Encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Isn't that a powerful verse? So even this one verse we could tease out, and we are going to, I want to start here. I want to, as a father of literal four biological kiddos and as a shepherd and a pastor of you all, and we have many people uh, who aren't here today for various reasons, traveling, traveling, By the way, this is awesome. Shout out to Tristan, because they always watch online when they're not here. Love you, Tristan and Kimberly. They're in Texas, surprising their uh, father-in-law by showing up in Texas from California. And uh, I'm telling you, this is just a, this is a life hack. This is a low-hanging fruit for you. Tristan, I'm talking behind your back when you're not here. Always text me when he's not going to be here. You don't understand as a pastor, I've been doing this, I've been, for, I've been in California for 17 years pastoring in some way, shape, or form. You don't have to do that. Don't, don't mis- hear me. But getting a text from a brother that I know is solid and faithful and, and committed at rating, he's like, Hey, Chaddy, I just want you to know I love you so much. I'm not going to be here. And here's where we are and here's why. When he texted me that yesterday first, I was like, Dang, his Sundays are counting down. They're moving to Austria in a few weeks. But in this, on the other side of the coin, I'm like, Dude, that is so. That, that helps me so much just as a pastor, as a brother, like as we prepare and think about praying for our people. So Tristan, if you're watching, you probably are. I love you. Thank you for doing that. He's always done that over the years and I've never asked him to. It's just, it's just sweet. I don't know why I said that, but uh, love you, Tristan and Kimberly. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a noble thing. It's encouraging. That's why as I was thinking about encouraging. As a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging. Um, it's my favorite song I love that song let's go first of all encouragement who needs encouragement on a regular basis every hand raised who needs comfort and then who needs urging this is one we're probably most scared to do with each other or for each other but we need urging at some point after we've done the encouraging and comforting, we need men and women, people in our lives to get down on our level and urge us to, to, to reach for all that God has made available to us in his son, Jesus. And so what I wanna do as a father of four beautiful kiddos and as a, a shepherd in the house of God, in this house specifically at Radiant, I, my heart got set on fire by a prayer run this, earlier this week. God, I, I, uh, I run four or five or six, five days a week, let's just call it an average. And uh, I recently got a polar plunge. It's changing my life. Find me around 7.30, 8 a.m. in a pool of little pool of water, kitty pool of water, freezing, but doing the work of getting healthy and whole. Anyone done the polar plunge in the house? No one has ever heard of it? Okay, we got a few crazies who, It's all over my social media feed. I had no choice but to buy a pool, okay? Everywhere I looked, it was like, you need to polar plunge. It's good for your mental health, spiritual health, physical health, et cetera. So I dunk in freezing cold water every day for like three or four minutes and just, thank you, Lord. And uh, so there you go. That's just a freebie there. Um, So one of the mornings this week, as I was just thinking about our church and where we're at, and, and what I wanted to do is just lift our collective gaze to the few things we are going after as a spiritual family, all in favor say aye. And they all start with the letter M. The only way God talks to me is through the grace of alliteration. And I love that when Raphael, Pastor Raphael, he's the pastor of Radiant Español, when we talk, I'm always humbled because they don't always translate alliteration in another language, which drives me crazy. Pastor Raphael, look at the six M's we're called to as a church. Pastor, they don't translate in Espanol. They're all different letters. Ah! Well, the English people could appreciate their pastor's skills. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to screen mirror it. I'm so funny. This is so fun. And this is going to be fun. And I, I just pray you, your heart gets swept up. This is, the, this, is the, uh, this is the whole enchilada. So, again, oh, it's doing both. That's kind of cool. But I'll, uh, I'll cancel that one. Boom. So I'm running and I'm like, okay, as a father and as a spiritual father, as a pastor and leader, God, what, just speak again, the big picture. Cause this is what fathers do. Fathers encourage, they comfort and they urge. Fathers are responsible with keeping before their families, the main thing. That's the main thing. And as I'm praying and thinking about us and I have this father's teaching in my back pocket and the wings, I'm like, no, I want to go here. I want to speak as a father, as an encourager, and as an as one that would urge us to live lives of, of consequence. And i that's by the way, that's not a font, that's my handwriting. You're welcome. If you need the gift of interpretation, pray over your neighbor right now. Say, Father in the name of Jesus, and allow them to. <laughs> you see, the thing is God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is my immediate humbler because I have terrible handwriting. All of my children, including my wife, have better handwriting than me, praise God. Anyone else have chicken scratch? I just was always wanted to be, a, thank you, Pierce, I see that hand. So as I was running, as a spiritual family, what is the thing under which every other thing rests that we're gonna go after as a family? Our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven. Chad, where is that from? What does that mean? So all of Jesus's life and ministry Rested under the canopy. Everything he did, he taught, he forgave, he healed, he drove out demons, he forgave sinners. Everything Jesus did rests under the canopy of the Father, establishing His heavenly kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. All in favor, say I. Everything, the mandate, all that Jesus did was embody, express, inaugurate, and establish a little sliver of heaven on earth everywhere God's will, the Father's will was being done. So our mandate as a spiritual family, everything under, the banner under which all that our lives flow and function, our our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven. God's will being done in every space and every place you and I have agency over. This is our mandate as, as believers. Jesus himself taught us this in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 10. He says, When you pray, pray this our Father in, help me out, heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our mandate as Christ followers is whatever agency we have, whatever power or authority or resources we have our mandate, everything that's moving us in in, in our life is let it be so right here as it is in heaven, in my family, in my workplace, in my world. And principally, we accomplish this. And then then Jesus later, when he talks about the pagans who don't have a vision of a father who's caring and benevolent and kind and present, he's like, "The, the pagans run after all of these things, what they eat and drink and their body, what they will wear. He's like, not you, You've got a father that knows what you're thinking, what you're gonna say before you even say it, knows the hairs on your head. Come on, somebody. He said, this this is how you should live. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the things you stress and worry about will be given to you as well. How many are thankful? When we get the mandate right, everything else can fall into place because we're in alignment and in agreement with God's kingdom vision for our life. Under his lordship, under his will, under his purposes on earth as it is in heaven. How do we accomplish this mandate? Principally three ways. Number one, worship, worship. Before Jesus prays for workers in Matthew nine thirty-five through 38, Jesus says his father in John 4, 22 through 24 is seeking worshipers. The order matters. Many of us are busy bodies, but we're not doing it in the strength or in the power anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to get the worship thing right, giving God his first and primacy place in our lives, the yielded heart, the surrender to his lordship, worshipers. And then as we settle the issue of worship and the grace of God can sever and slay a million lesser loves and idols, we worship him in spirit and in truth. Then the son is saying, now I'm going to pray and send you out as a worshiping worker who can do my kingdom business in your everyday life. How many believe this week you have kingdom business to do? How many believe this week, as you look out under your calendar, there are places, there are people, there are things and responsibilities that need to come into agreement and alignment with the king and his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. This doesn't mean we're coercive or dominating. It means we're intercessors who are worshipers, who are agreeing with God in every space and place we have agency over. Lord, let your kingdom come here. Let your rule and your reign, let the the government that rests on King Jesus' shoulders in Isaiah nine, six, and seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let his government, let his peace come right here, right now, in this little space, in this place, and amongst this people that you've given me responsibility to do life with. Do we see how the kingdom works? So we do it principally as worshipers. When we worship, guess what? Oh, I wish I had the quote ready. I read the best worship quote about six months ago, and now it's slipping my mind who the author was. No, no, it's not. It's Dick Eastman. He's a global-level leader. He does the Every Home for Christ. They just want to win every person on the planet to Christ. Not a bad ministry. Look him up. Every Home for Christ. It's incredible. E-H-C, every Home. EHCSomething.com.org. Dick Eastman said, when we worship, there's a displacement that happens. Did you know there's no neutral territory on the earth? The space and the place and those people are either under the lordship and the governance of Jesus or under the influence of the enemy, the father of lies. So guess what happens when we worship? We give God his rightful place. Psalm 22, he sits enthroned on the praises of his people. This is Dick Eastman's insight, this part right here. So when we worship, it's not just we're giving God his due and his worthiness and his glory. And it's not just with singing, although it is with singing. It's a heart posture of yielded up, surrendered love and yielded up yes to his will and ways. When we worship, there's a displacement. We're saying in this space and in this place and amongst his people, the enemy does not have full say or sway. Come on, somebody. When we worship, it changes atmospheres and people and places and things. Can you say amen? This is our mandate. So we do it through worship. Everyone say worship. Number two, we do it through good work. Say good work. You're gonna spend 50 or so years, and for many of you who will never retire because you just love to work, you're gonna spend 50 plus years of your life on this earth doing work. You might as well pray this prayer. Now, if you're starting a job or career, you're on your tail end, you might as well say, God, what does doing work as a kingdom citizen look like in my workplace? What, What does your will and your wisdom infusing and filling my life and it being done in my workplace with those that I either do life with at a horizontal level or those you've given me authority over to lead and to love? God, show me what it looks like if the king was here operating without restriction and restraint, but his wisdom was animating our choices, our books, our finances, our relationships. What would it look like if King Jesus was reigning and ruling in my workplace? How many this week can pray that prayer and then have a journal ready and see what the Holy Spirit would say? What would it look like? So we do it through worship. We do it through work, doing good work. Why is good work important? It's one of the two guarantees in scripture, in Matthew chapter five, verse 15 through 17, and then in 1 Peter chapter two, 11 through 15, when people see our good works, they'll praise our Father in heaven. One of the principal ways you and I can do the work of being a winsome uh, son or daughter of God, a disciple of Jesus, is by doing excellent things in an excellent way because you're energized by an incredible God and his grace. Did you know that how we do work is actually meant to be a springboard to the third W of how we do the mandate of the kingdom? We worship, we work, and then we witness. We bear winsome witness. And usually it's in that order. You're a worshiper, so you've got the glow. You've got that 2 Corinthians 3 7 through 18. We're not like Moses who had to put a veil over your face because the glory was transitory and passing away. You are new covenant believers who have face-to-face access to the king himself. Woo! No veil needed. And as we worship in spirit and truth, his eminence, his radiance, his beauty and glory gets on us. Woo! It's inside of us. Ephesians one says the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of every believer. And as we worship and we do excellent work, usually, Usually, this is the infamous 1 Peter 3, 15 through 18. Be ready, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is one of the most important verses on evangelism and sharing our faith and witnessing, but what is the context of us giving the witness after being asked a question? Are we tracking? Are we doing okay? I'm super good right now. My heart's so happy. Oh, I'm happy. The Holy Spirit always be prepared to give an answer. They're in order, worship, excellent work, be ready to stand and bear witness to King Jesus. Why do you operate that way? Why when that colleague or coworker always cuts you out of your opportunity to get get in good with the boss, why do you not grow bitter? Why aren't you slandering our colleagues when we're around the lunch table at work? It's just small things. But you string these small things together, what happens? Why are you the way you are? That's the third W, how we do the mandate of the kingdom. Let me tell you why. Jesus Christ reigns and rules over my heart and life. I am a woman, I'm a man or a woman that's been bought with a price. I don't belong to me. I don't get to say how I get to operate. The king has already laid that down for me and his life is the curriculum and his Holy Spirit is the ever-present tutor and power that enables me to live as Christ. Ah! Hallelujah. This is our mandate. This is what we're doing on Father's Day. With Father, The Father, through little me, we're just saying our mandate, if, what are we doing at Radiant? Our mandate is we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and everywhere we go, we're worshiping, working, and looking for opportunities to bear witness to the king and his coming kingdom. All in favor, say aye. I don't know why I do that. We're not voting. It's true. It's what we're doing. Everyone clear on the mandate. This is the meta. This is the the umbrella under everything we do. Small groups, feeding the poor, figuring out our gifts, serving on a Sunday, participating in a small group. Everything we would do, pray, worship, pursue the word, discipling relationships, everything that a church does that we don't even get to choose, it's written for us. Uh, Everything that we do flies under this this banner, on earth as it is in heaven. And many of us, we've heard theologians say, uh, oh, is it going to be helpful? Not going to be helpful. Let's move on. It's not going to be helpful. Let's talk later. That's our mandate. So I'm running. By the way, this whole sermon I was able to do in three and a half minutes with my Apple watch, you're like, why didn't you just play the three and a half minutes and pray? Because this is better. It's longer. It's more commentary, more thoughts, more nuance. But you know what? I'm dead serious. If you get on our email list, I will attach the three and a half minute. <laughs> Our mandate <laughs> literally running, and the Lord just downloading these six I was just thinking about them. Our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven, and how do we do that? Three ways: worship anyone listening taking notes work and witness that 's our mandate what 's radiant about let's no, no, let 's enlarge it way bigger than radiant. What does it mean to be a Christian in church? My whole life is on earth as it is in heaven, every space, every place, and any person I'm around, that's my dream and desire, that the wisdom of God, the counsel of God's enabling me, giving me his vision, his values, and he's cultivating his virtues, another three V's, so that when I worship him rightly and I do good work and I look for opportunities, I'm ready to be a winsome witness right there in that space, in that place. That's our mandate. Who wants to sign up for that this week? Your citizenship, Philippians 3.20, if you've been born again, John 3, 3, and you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1, 13 through 14, and you've been established in the kingdom of light under the lordship of the son himself, Jesus Christ. You are now a Philippians three twenty citizen of his kingdom, the king, the only kingdom that will endure and last forever. Did you know that every other kingdom, Hebrews 12, verse 26 through 29, every other kingdom will be shaken, and eventually, Revelation 13, 15, every other kingdom will bow and bend its knee to the ultimate king who reigns on the everlasting throne of the kingdom of God. So why is it it an urgent matter that we would get on living under this mandate? Because if you start right now just saying, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, Everything you do in life now carries divine weight and has infinite purpose attached to it. From the smallest, most meaningly, t- meaning, me, uh, menial task to the biggest act of courage and faith and boldness and everything in between, your life now has eternal purpose under the banner of on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, the other ones won't be that long, okay? I promise. How's that AC doing out there? How's the air conditioner in this room? They have good AC. Maybe we should turn it on. Do you guys think? Anyone? Um, Israel or Don or someone, go look. It's right out that door to your right. I love you so much. Two or three guys should probably figure it out. Um, Whoo! I'm sweating up here, folks. Our mandate is, say it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. What's the second M? Hurry up. Our mission is discipling people into the image of Jesus. So as we do the mandate, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be able to bear witness. We're going to do good work. We're going to worship. The Spirit of Jesus is going to empower us, and people are going to respond to the gospel. What happens when someone responds to the gospel? Oh, praise God, uh, brother or sister. You know, you prayed a prayer, and now we'll just leave you hanging. No. What is our mission? Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go into every nation and all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to obey. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So, what is our mission? Disciple people into the image of Jesus. Why do people need discipling? Not a trick question. How many know that sin has deformed and marred the image of God in humanity? Aren't you thankful that sin did not erase the image of God out of humanity? It's just profoundly broken and marred. So why do we need to disciple each other, especially those who've responded to the gospel, who are now brought into the kingdom, and that they're a brand new baby believer, but they need to be discipled and raised up into the full maturation of Jesus Christ? How many need discipling? Raise your hand. That was a trick question. All of us need the journey of being discipled, and disciple is just a fancy word of being a student who grows up to become like the master teacher. Uh, one of my old, uh, uh, well, it probably is still a password. One of my this is a life hack. One of my uh, passwords for Apple or something was um, uh, was Matthew ten twenty four through twenty five. It's enough for the student to become like their teacher. And then Luke 640 says the student, when fully trained, will be just like their teacher. And did you know that our teacher, Matthew 23, our teacher, verse 9 through 11, is Jesus Christ. And why we disciple people, and that's our mission, is because sin has profoundly marred and broken God's, God's, uh, God's image in us. But through the grace of God and in, in community and participation of the grace of God, you and I get to have a whole life, lifetime of Galatians 419. Christ being formed in us. How many believe that no one in this room is done with that process? But how many believe that there is grace for us to make progress every single day, to be discipled and matured into the image of Jesus? So our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven, and as people respond to that, we disciple each other. We say yes to the grace of Christ to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. How do you do that? coming to church on a Sunday is an essential part of that. Belonging to a discipleship group or a small group is a huge part of it. Did you know here, this is awesome. No, I'm saving this part for the method. Let's go to the means. I got that. Store it away. Lord, help me remember that one part right there. Our means, our prayer, worship, worship prayer, the word, I added one. I didn't want to erase it because my handwriting was so perfect the first time. Okay, that was supposed to be a joke. No one laughed. You got to help me out here, folks. Oh, that air is like the grace of God touching me right now. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that was hot in here. Our means, are worship with the word and prayer and the Holy Spirit's power. Did you know that Jesus said when the disciples were like, hey, Jesus in, in Acts chapter 1, 5 through 7, they're like, now that you're raised and you just like taught us about the kingdom for 40 days after you've been raised, are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel now? Are we good? Like we get to sit on the thrones, we have no more assignment or task. He's like, not for you guys to know the unfolding of all of God's redemptive plans. Good question though. And then his next sentence is Acts chapter one, verse eight, which is what? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to go do the mandate and the mission. How many know to try to do the mandate or the mission without power is a failing, futile endeavor? Okay, if you don't believe me, just read all of John 15. Jesus is like, hey, you can do nothing apart from me. But Jesus, can I do this? No, you can't do anything without me. That's why we're so committed. We call it the altar or prayer meetings or that space of worship with the word and prayer, this 3 corded strand. It builds within us a resolve and a inner bent to say to God, morning, noon, and night, every single day, I can't, but you can. I'm limited, but you're unlimited. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm inconsistent. I falter and fizzle and fail, but you are perfect. You have infinite resources. So we just posture ourselves under the spout where the glory comes out. Did you know you have access, if you're a believer, to the means you need to fulfill the mandate and the mission that God has for you? How many of you this week, though, took God up on his offer to give you power? Oh, praise God, a few hands. Well, yay, that's what we want. We're discipling, we're growing. For the other three quarters of the audience, did you know you, had, you have the legal right as an adopted son and daughter of God, a royal co-heir of Jesus, if you share in his sufferings, Romans 8, 17, you have access to where all authority and power resides in the person of Jesus. He holds the keys of life in Hades, Romans 1, Revelation 118, all authority. Now, if he has all authority then who has other authority? He's already got all of it. And if you're in him and you're facing things this week, man, I'm trying to do the kingdom stuff that Pastor Chad talked about. I'm trying to disciple people and influence them for good. But I just, just, every time I try, did you know that in the midst of that inner dialogue, why don't you hit pause and say, Lord, send the power. I need power to do the mandate and mission. You have the right to ask God for the means morning, noon, and night, all day, any day, all throughout the day. God, I need power for this. This person's really difficult. Come on, who have difficult people in their life? Now the hands are flying. (laughs) I need power. Did you know you can ask God for empowerment? Many of us, what a bummer if the Lord's like, dude, I had gobs of it, but you never asked me. And so this is part of that, 1 Thessalonians 2, urging you. Look, Paul says, I urge you to live lives worthy of God. And who, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Did you know to live lives worthy of God, you're going to need God to live that live life of worthy of God. We're going to need his power. How many this week believe you can add that to your arsenal of prayer? Lord, empower me for the mandate and mission. I need this. Is, these are the means through which we accomplish the man mandate. And can you say amen? Can I, can I move on? Nasty, I, t- I told you the ones are fast, faster. We could draw these out, but we're good. Okay. We're good. Our method, everyone say method. Our method is by, is cultivating kingdom communities. The, here's how I know this is our method to accomplish these things. When we already did two ser- sermons on Pentecost three weeks ago, Pentecost one, Pentecost two, the very first thing people did when they responded to Jesus in the gospel was get plugged into a kingdom community with Jesus at the center. And I identified the five Ps. It's just Acts 2.42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And out of that ecosystem of grace, the power of God was released, and God just added to their number daily those who are being saved. Who would like to have God working for your church, adding people Okay, if you're not a pastor, how many of you would like God to work for your business, to work in the places you influence and the places you love and lead? And he was just adding favor to your life because of that ecosystem of grace and formation. That's what it was, Acts 2.42. We don't get to pick it. Those are the four or five things that we do. This is why we want every home to be viewed as a, a, a that was, again, I ran this morning. I'm like, Lord, I can't wait for the fall. We're going to launch them. Uh, home churches. That's what we'll call them, house church, small groups, community group. I love the idea of home, because whether you have a home, a townhome, an apartment, or whatever. But these spaces, our method, how are we going to facilitate these things, opening our hearts and homes to the broken, to those who need to know God loves them and is for them and his son, Jesus, amen? What if all of us viewed the front door of the church as the front door of our houses, What if we viewed our dinner tables as kingdom operating tables where people would share the brokenness and messiness of their life and we'd get to minister God's healing, love, and grace? Did you know that more can happen around a meal than maybe can ever happen in rows and pews? Can I get an amen? When we're in that space of, so the five Ps, again, if you hit that uh, QR code, I have it right there, kingdom community. I I wrote a simple two, two, two or three page document. Communities that, that proclaim the word. Everyone say proclaim the word. That participate in the fellowship. That practice the way of generosity. That pray, and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. They're all five P's, and it's all from Acts 2:42. Our method to accomplish the mandate mission and the means is by cultivating c- kingdom communities where each member of the body is seen, valued, has a sense of belonging has an opportunity to explore their unique identity in the kingdom, their gifts, their talents, their passions? How many want to see homes up and down the central coast like kingdom greenhouses where sons and daughters are discovering their identity and purpose in the permission of the body of Christ? Did you know you're not forever called to be a passive spectator in the house of God? You are called to be either a son and daughter who is being raised to become a spiritual mother and a spiritual father to the next generation. He needs to be raised up in the gospel. I got a few head nods. That's good. That's our method is by cultivating kingdom communities. And we have so much work. I'm not discouraged. I'm so encouraged, but I know our church, guys, there's, I'm so excited as we continue to build together this summer, but to see what God unfolds in the fall. But my dream slash God's dream is that all of us are in a, an environment where that's happening. The five P's: proclaiming the word. I already am not going to preach it again. You just heard it. I'll say it again so you'll remember it. Proclaiming the word, participating in the fellowship, practicing the way, praying, and relying on the power of the Spirit together. Those five things. I don't have to add to that. It's already perfect. It's in the Bible. But how many know? It's uh, this is what this. Thank you. This was the thing I said. Wait for the other M. I just remembered. This was this morning as I was praying on this, as I was running. Lord, why is community so important and why does it feel so hard for many of us? How many struggle with community? My hands raised just for insecurity or vulnerability or consistency or I am time, I'm busy, etc. Why do we need community? Why is, it so, why is this our method? Why is this God's method? What's so unbelievable to me Jesus announces the kingdom. He starts his ministry, Re- Re- Matthew four seventeen. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ah! And he doesn't go straight to Jerusalem and overthrow the temple and establish his Davidic heir kingdom forever. The very next thing Jesus does is he walks by the Sea of Galilee and finds a few friends to do life with him. If that's Jesus's strategy, who are we to think we can improve on his epic kingdom strategy? Do you see that? The very first thing King Jesus does is he establishes Team Jesus. Come on, somebody. Repent, Matthew 4, Matthew four seventeen. It's his first sermon. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is breaking in in my life and through my life. Father, your will is being done. Ah. Oh, I'm gonna go by the fishing pond and check out some friends who are just everyday ordinary dudes. I'm gonna invite them to come do life with me. I'm gonna deposit my kingdom reality into their life so that when I leave, they'll get to do what I do. Come on, somebody. That's why we need community. Every It's, it's an anomaly to be a not plugged into community believer. How many want to break that trend? I know COVID felt like it set us back. We were scared and isolated, all, that thing, all those things. But I want you to know we're going to need each other for the road we're walking. And why else kingdom community? Two things. The gifts of the Spirit, none of those Who cares if you have any of those if there's not people who are on the other end of the receiving of them? And the fellow, this is what the Lord showed me this morning. So all the gifts are for others, not even for me. Why would I want to prophesy so that you'd be encouraged, built up? Why would would I want to pray for healing so that you would be healed? Why would I want to have faith so that your situation would change because the kingdom breaks in? All nine of the gifts mentioned, none of us are for individuals. They're not just someone hanging out in their prayer closet by themselves. All of the gifts of the Spirit are for the body. Now let's think about the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I forgot one. There's nine. Okay, just read it yourself. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. It's right there. All of the fruits of the Spirit are for others. Love, joy, peace, patience. Why is our method community? Because that's how God grows us up. I was praying this morning. I'm like, oh my goodness. The theory of following Jesus alone sounds great, but you need the sanctifying work of God's spirit in community to show you the areas that are still a little bit rough around the edges that need the grace of God to touch them. How many need the edges uh, sanded off? That's why we need each other. How many know we are great at deceiving ourselves with our own piety and godliness, but you get plugged into a group, all of your stuff goes to the surface amen? We need each other so we can look more like Jesus. Okay, let's land the plane. Our motivation, ah, uh, the second, the last of two Ms. Our motivation is 2 Corinthians, it's too good. I'm just going to read it. Can I read it? I want, I want to misquote it. I could get it close, but 2 Corinthians 5, this just blows my mind. What is our motivation? 2 Corinthians five fourteen. For Christ's love compels us. The Greek is really constrains. We're like in a straitjacket called the love of Christ. We can't choose. It's so glorious. It's constraining, compelling, and propelling us. Our whole life, how do we do the mandate, mission, means, and method? What is it that's meant to be motivating us? Let me finish the verse, and you'll be able to answer it. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all right here in verse 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then that next verse. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What's our motivation? Cross-shaped love. This stinks. Did you know it's sometimes painful to carry a cross? Did you know it's painful to reconcile instead of retaliate? Can I say, can we be honest? Can we be honest about that it? It's a little bit hard to forgive instead of to hold grudges and harbor bitterness towards the brother and sister. But did you know we don't get to choose in the body of Christ what our motivating factor is? It is cross shaped love. It is love that is covenantal, that's thicker than just you do what you do, I do what I do. No, it's covenantal, it's built on the very promises and purposes of God, it's costly. To put your needs, Philippians 2, this is one of the first passages I've ever memorized as a young man. It's one of the most important verses in the Bible in Philippians 2. It says, therefore, each of you should look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. You should put their needs above your own needs. And then that's when the epic kenosis passage the self emptying love of jesus let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped and used to his own advantage But he made himself nothing, being made in appearance as a man, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But we see the narrative arc of Jesus was very God, becomes a servant, lower this servant, takes on a cross, crucified, God raises. Do you know that same ark is the ark you and I are meant to go, whee, same ark. As he is, so are we in this world, 1 John 4, 17. Did you know that our motivating factor is is we're called to be motivated by that kind of love? How many know right now, categorically, we cannot conjure up that kind of love. We're gonna need him to fill us with agape love, cross-shaped love. Is that clear on the motivation? So how many know you could pray that all day, every day, any day? God, what's motivating my attitudes and actions right now? What's, co- what's causing me to be short with my wife or my colleague at work? What? God, no, I wanna be motivated by cross-shaped love. I wanna, be a, I wanna sacrificially serve those you've called me to love, lead, and do life with. How many could pray that this week and allow the spirit to tweak with you a little bit? How many are often not motivated by cross-shaped love? <laughs> But how many know we can make progress in the grace of Christ this week? God, let your let love that looks like a cross be my motivating factor this week. Let your love, I, listen, we don't have to, yes, we have to ask, that's the kingdom way. But he says, my love will compel you. It's a promise. And then lastly, the last M, it was last to the party. I'm like, gosh, there's one more, Lord, our metrics. How do we know if we're being successful in all of these things? And we're all obsessed with measuring. And you have to grow by this much or this much. And I get there's metrics in business, et cetera. In the kingdom, it's a little harder, although some of it's helpful. But what if our metrics as a spiritual family was the joy of simply obeying what Jesus said to do next? How many want the heavy yoke of trying to do great things for God to be broken off your life and you just get to s- settle in the yoke of Jesus, which is joyful obedience to the next thing he says to do? How many want the joyful yoke of Jesus? I just, Lord, I, listen, I'm obsessed with wanting to do great things with God. And many times I live defeated, I live discouraged because I'm waiting for God to be impressed with the big thing when he's like, dude, what if I just wanted to fill you with a IV drip of joy? No, not just IV drip. What's something better? A river of joy for you just to keep obeying the next thing I told you to do, Chatty. How many like those metrics better than the incalculable build more bricks under slave master Pharaoh? Did you know many of us still think our father is like Pharaoh? Many of us are still in Egypt on the inside. I want you to know, your father doesn't look like Pharaoh. Your father looks like Jesus. Jesus said in John 12, 45, if you look at me, you're looking at the one who sent me. Philip said, Jesus, just show us the father, then everything's good. He's like, Philip, John 14, 9, I've been with you for three and a half years. If you've you've seen me, you've seen him. What does the father look like? Not like Pharaoh. The father looks like Jesus, a son fully alive in the acceptance and purpose and pleasure of his father. Come on. And how many know in John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. How many want to trade up for kingdom metrics, joyful obedience? I just want to obey Did you know that every Christian, every son or daughter in this room can be a success this week if these are your metrics? I'm just going to joyfully, I'm going to obey no matter the cost or consequence, whatever you say to do next. Many of you are like, I didn't obey the last thing. Well, guess what your assignment is? Obey the last thing. And then he'll show you a new thing to obey. Come on, somebody. Who's got a little bit of like, uh, uh, you're in the red a little bit on the obedience factor. And the Lord's like, I can't give you new things to do until you do the things you know I've called you to do but I want you to know when you do that in the grace of God, joy starts flowing. There is nothing, I've been following Jesus for 23 years, there's nothing like just doing what he said to do. And I would rather be a fool that's seeking to obey, no matter the cost or consequence, than a skeptic and just wondering, did he really say, should I, shouldn't I, should I? I'd rather they think I was stupid and you think I was a fool, but I was trying to do it because I was just trying to obey. out of the the reverence and revelation of the goodness of my Father. Our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven. Our mission is discipling people. Our means, our worship with the word and prayer, in the Spirit's power. Our method is cultivating and participating in kingdom community. Our motivation is cross-shaped, Jesus-shaped love, sacrificial and service. And our metrics for success as a spiritual family is the joy of obedience. How many think those are cool? How many got it and you just, you're going to live it. It's perfect. Or how many, how many really think we could do this the rest of our life and still be a playful little child that gets to receive the kingdom because every day is a new adventure to live in the mandate, to do the mission, to rely on the means, to participate in the method, amen, to be motivated by cross-shaped love and to just joyfully obey the next thing he said to do. Does that make sense? Is it clear at least? This is what God's calling us to. This is it. I'm encouraging you. I'm hopefully comforting you, bringing clarity to any confusion about what it means to follow the Lord. And then hopefully that last one that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, urging us, urging us, don't waste your life. I read this from an amazing pastor. He's written a bunch of books. He's 74. It's it, it just penetrated my heart. Can I read it? Do you care if I, can I, can I read it? Okay. I'm going to read it. It's this guy called Roy Ortland. He's written multiple books. His son, Dean Ortland is it Dean or, uh, Dane Ortland wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly. It has like 10,000 books reviews on it's a hugely it's an amazing book on the tenderness of jesus's heart look him up that's his son so ray ortland said this and this this is a perfect illustration for how you can live out of this story your whole life and it still stays fresh even when you're old look what he says i'm uh, not that 74 is old sorry that's what he okay sorry ah, strike that from the record here's what he said this year i turned 74 and i feel so alive so energized that Jesus has given me so much to live for. And it's all by his grace and for his glory. The longer I live, the more I want to give. And it's so freeing not to matter anymore. It's exciting to invest in young pastors and it's, it's meaningful to get ready to say goodbye. Every day with Janny, his wife is precious. Every meeting with family is glorious. Life feels more wondrous than ever. And I am deeply thankful to the Lord. When I read that, I was, I'm like crying now. That's what I want to be when I'm 74, when I'm 80. Do you see the the gratitude in that testimony? Again, you don't know Ray Ortland, but he's just kind of a famous, he's done a lot of things for Jesus. But did you hear a heart, even at that age, like energized by just getting to live for what matters? And one of the things I can't wait to us to explore the rest of this summer and then through the fall is how do we live for what matters? Let's stand to our feet and respond to Jesus together. How many, just by by way of saying amen, how many want to participate in the mandate this week? On earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you right now that there is a purpose and a mission there are means, there's a method, there's motivation, there's a metrics. But Lord, over all of it is the reality that Jesus, you're so amazing. You're the savior. You're the king, you're the Lord. And if you need to respond to the grace of Christ and realize, man, Chatty, my life is a mess. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not living with this kind of purpose. Can you just pause for 30 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, fill me transform me and, and bring me in on God's kingdom, epic kingdom purposes and plans how many would today, just by show of hands you'd raise your hand, you say, "Chatty, I do not live with a kingdom eternal perspective, but I want God to give me an upgrade today, can you just raise your hand that we could live a life of, 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 of consequence and for eternal purposes we just raise our hands to you, Lord, this morning Father, I thank you right now that you're the the best father who encourages, comforts, and urges us to live lives for Jesus and for his kingdom. And God, for every hand that's raised in this house, I pray that you would pour out grace and strength. Father, I pray that you would encourage our body, our spiritual family. I pray that all of us would get swept up into the epic kingdom story that you are writing Jesus through your people. Father, I pray blessing over every household, over every family, over every relationship. God, would you come by your Holy Spirit right now and pour out a spirit of grace, strength, and encouragement. Lord, we love your word and we love your ways. Have your way in us, among us, and through us. And we all said, amen.